Hello friends and welcome to the latest Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. The sun is out, it's a beautiful Thursday morning at Heath Towers. I'm your host, Mark Heath as ever, and the two guys who are most important of course to the pod, the guys who actually know what they're talking about, the wit and the mind, the dynamic duo, Hutch Hogan and Dr Stuart Watson. Hutchie Hogan, Andy Warren, I'm going to come to you first. How are you my friend? Glorious, lovely, I'm wearing a vest and that's, and that's me. Tell, what sort of vest my friend? A red vest. Is it a basket? Is it like a basketball vest or what is it? It's just a red vest. Yeah? Sun and... sun's out, guns out. Uh yeah, I've got yeah, gun more of a water pistol. <laughs> That's a lovely mental image anyway, mate. Now I can I can picture are you wearing trousers? What are you doing? Uh wearing a pair of shorts. Excellent. Ipswich town issue or just uh standard? No, no, standard standard issue. Excellent. That's that's your vision, KOA Army, as as you listen to this. Hutchie in a vest. Can I interject here? Can I give you another mental image? Of mm. uh, I've I've rung. Obviously, we're on the phone to each other quite a lot um, in lieu of actually seeing each other in person at the moment. Quite often, this has happened on more more than one occasion. Um, Andy has answered the phone in the bath, and it's transpired that he has a bath. Every day at lunchtime. Get your head around that. Is that is that as well as a shower, Hutchie, or is that just when you when you bathe? Sometimes, sometimes mix it up. But yes, I've it's, it's part of my routine. Do you have? Do you get the candles out? Do you get the bath bombs in? No, just a straightforward bath. Yeah, yeah, just a standard standard bath. And is, little... is it? Is it for the purposes of washing, or is it for the purposes of relaxing? I'd go. I'd probably say seventy percent relax, relaxing. Yeah, T- seventy to eighty percent relaxing, twenty percent washing. I'd always thought of a bath as more of a sort of nighttime activity. Doesn't have or to a... be. Doesn't have to be. You're such a maverick, my friend. <laughs> Stewie, where do you stand on baths or baths, as I would say? Where, where do I stand on them? Yeah, do you um, like them? Yeah. Do you enjoy them? Do you take yeah. them? <laughs> uh, yeah, all, all of the above. Very, very pro bath. Um, I, I'd be concerned if I was taking them daily. What, what the water bill would would be. Um, but yeah, all, all for it. I, I can't say I've ever dabbled too much in sort of a daytime bath. Um, yeah. But he's planted a seed in my mind now that it that it's a great way to break up the day. It, some people go for a walk. Um, some people do. Some people go for for a smoke, whatever they do to have a yeah. relax. And he goes and takes a bath, and uh, all all power to him. And I, and sometimes I, he does do a bit of manscaping as well. Um, is this was, just... Can I can I discuss this, Andy? Well, well you you've already you've already started, yeah. haven't you? Well, I've started now, so I'll finish. Uh, another time when I called, um, he did have to cut off the conversation because some manscaping had. Had gone awry, and um, what he was multi—he was multitasking while he was talking no, to he you. Wasn't he was doing uh... this while while we were on the phone. Oh right, um, but just said, "Oh, I'll get back to you, mate. I've just been doing this. Um, some damage needs to be." <laughs> Leave it at that. Um, a daytime bath, however, does seem very extravagant, Hutchie. Um, one step away from P Diddy, I reckon you are now. Um, do you ever, you ever t- attempt to take some bubbles in the bath as well? A little, uh, little glass of Prosecco or something? 
<laughs> no, not not quite not quite that far. It's quite a functional process. Yeah. Get it. Job done. I like it. Excellent. Before, this has been Before we continue, Patsy, <laughs> are you happy with that being discussed publicly? I mean we can we can It's start too late now. It's too I I've not got the energy to start again. I can't I, <laughs> I, I struggle. I struggle with the intros to these pods anyway, and I I haven't got the energy to to do it again. So let's um, yeah. Okay. Should we crack well, on? I think it's done. It's done. It's there. Um, let's carry on. I think this might be one of my favourite intros to a pod ever. We've got we've gone from Hutchie in a vest to Hutchie in a bath to Hutchie shaving his nuts. Uh, <laughs> So there we go. Let's. Should we talk about football, boys? I assume first of all, Stu. I assume you're okay. Obviously, you're not in a bath as we speak. Anything like that? I'm not. No. Excellent, boys. Let's start with some sexy stuff. A, a brilliant segue from Stewie in the bath, from Hutchie in the bath to sexy stuff. Transfer city season is upon us. The window is officially open. Um, and Hutchie, you've been working on a story this morning, which will be of great interest to town fans and potentially Coventry fans as well. Caden Jackson, the thriller himself. Bit of an update, Hutchie. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of an update. Um, did a, did a, did a, I basically wrote the same story in May, minus the mention of of Coventry City because there's basically Ipswich have been talking to Caden Caden Jackson and his representatives for for almost the entirety of this year regarding a, a new contract. Um, they've not got anywhere with it. Another one's been rejected recently, and there are there are clubs interested in him. So uh, Coventry very much being being one of them, and I think Peterborough will be interested in Caden Jackson until the end of time. So <laughs> so yeah, that, that's that's where it's at with Caden. In in many ways, not an awful lot has changed um, since May when mm. a, a new contract still hadn't been agreed. Um, there's some, been some back and forth since then, and um, he's, another one's been rejected, and there's interest from elsewhere. So we'll, we'll see where that one goes. What's your What's your gut feeling, Hutchie? I know you're you're quite well connected in terms of Caden. Does it, it Does he want to to stay at town? Do you think, or is he is he thinking pastures new? I don't think it's a, a desperate desire to to force a way out. I think there's. I think there, there's a dissatisfaction there in kind of what he, what his contract is worth in relation to his role in the team, and then in relation to that again, other, other players in that team. Um, I guess you have, you have to remember that Caden was one of a, a large group of players that took a significant wage cut upon relegation from the championship, and he, he that was his first season in the championship. He kind of toiled away in non-league and. A little bit of League Two prior to that, so suddenly you get a a championship contract, albeit a, a lower end lower end one. Have that cut in half a year later, and then kind of almost be the the, the main man in time in terms of striking. Um, I think I think there's a belief there that he's maybe worth a little bit more. Mm. Um, Stewie, what, what's your take on that on the Caden thing? It's interesting. I've seen obviously since we dropped the story this morning. A lot of people on social media basically saying, sell him, get rid of him, get some money in, sign a better striker. Uh, what's your take on it? Um, 11 goals, seven assists, was it? I mean, big impact last season, but there was always that nagging doubt that his 
form and his style of play kind of forced Ipswich to play a different way that I think was kind of against the master plan and the principles. Because as we've we've talked about this loads of times, Caden plays best in a front two. He's not going to play in a, he's not going to lead the line on his own. Um, and if they're really going to try and stick to a style this season, which I believe they will, then you, you start to question where Caden fits into that. So I can see it from both parties' point of view. Caden Caden probably feels that his his market value is is a bit more than he's currently receiving in terms of wage, and the club are probably thinking that every penny counts at the moment and really thinking about how they're going to best use that budget. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that one pans out. Is someone playing ping pong, by the way? I'm get- Are you picking that up, boys? There's like a, a knocking noise. Yeah. I'll com- confirm I'm not playing ping pong. It might have been my front door. I think my front door just went. That's weird, man. Sounds like someone's knocking a, a tennis ball back and forth. Anyway, we, we, shall-, we shall proceed. Caden Jackson, Hutchie, how much is Caden Jackson worth? I've got absolutely no idea, but I'd be surprised if he was worth um, the money Ipswich paid for him two years ago, which was the what we what we talking at one point seven million. I don't know what 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 additions have been paid to that in terms of add-ons, but I'd be surprised if he's hit any of the add-ons. So. Mm. What, what remind me of his contract situation? What did he? How many years did he sign? He's at, he's got the end of to the end of this season, and then there's the option, I the option year as well. So we're, he's got talking, two years on it. We're talking about we've been talking a lot about Johnson Clark Harris, haven't we? Um, who now enters the final year of his contract, and that's the proper final year, isn't it? Without any kind of option there. So uh, what have we been talking for him? Where? where Andy, you've been hearing sort of figures around the seven hundred grand mark. Seven, seven, like yeah, seven hundred thousand for for him, possibly a little bit more. Um, Caden's got another year on on top of that, and has had a a similarish goal scoring record last season in in the same division. Uh, you'd be wanting at least that, if if not more, wouldn't you? Yeah, I I, I don't know, I don't know what kind of fee he would command, but. My gut feeling is it wouldn't be more than a million, because um, his his overall record is isn't great. He scored fifteen goals in seventy odd games for Ipswich, which um, bearing in mind if you're talking about a Championship club coming in and buying as well, um, he's not got a much of a Championship record to kind of go off, has he? So yeah, I I, I think you're looking at a million, possibly a little bit less. Which is a bit of a common theme, isn't it? I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's a possibility of a profit, and I think we probably knew this at the time in terms of making a profit on those Paul Hurst signings from that one summer. Um, always seemed quite unlikely. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I guess so. It's, it's easy to say that in in hindsight now. At the time, it felt like the master plan was to move away from. Mick chose to use the budget on wages, free agents, experienced free agents, and the money disappeared on wages, where I think Paul Hurst went down the route of cheaper wages, bigger fees on younger, lower league players that hopefully you would turn a profit on further down the line. Um, unfortunately, it's uh, the signings in general haven't haven't kind of worked out that way, have they? 
let's uh, let's play the game then, like we did with Flynn Downs last week. Uh, Mark Robbins, Tim Fisher, Coventry City uh, leaders, come in, slap the grapefruits on the table, Portman Road boardroom. Say, here's one million. We might go up to one point five for Caden Jackson. What do you do? Do you take do you take the money, Hutchie? Um, First thing Hutchie is going to say is put your balls away. Why, why, why is everyone getting their balls out for these negotiations? Are they manscaped, first of all? Yeah. Put them away. So um, Robbins has put the boys back in the barracks now, but the money's still on the table. Um, he says, we'll go up to 1.5 million for Caden. What, what are you saying? I think you have, you have to have the replacement lined up and ready to go. Um 1.5 million. Yeah. As long as that money gets spent on a striker, I, I, well, I think I'd probably take it. Uh, I'd, I'd take it and run, to be quite honest. Not. Wow. I don't mean, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to Caden because <clears throat> what he did last season was, was excellent, you know, and, and I thought we were starting to see him get better as well, not just the goals, not just the assists, but the way he was learning to use his pace a lot better, run the channels in, in, in a clever way, the crossing was getting better. But I just don't know if he fits the, the system, the style going forwards, and that could be preventative to them, to them doing that. So I just think that sort of money would go a long way in, in the current market. Um, mm. There are a lot of very good strikers available on as free agents at the moment. Um, there are others that you could probably get for a knockdown fee um, that just maybe might might fit the system a little bit better. But this is all hypothetical at, at the moment. Um, I'm not sure the money would would ever reach that sort of value for for Caden, and you know they may well reach some sort of uh, compromise on on the contract. And uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's that's important. That's certainly not impossible. This isn't. This isn't a. I'm done. Yeah. That in terms of negotiation, that's that's still open. Okay, so we shall see what happens with that one. That's interesting. Um, in terms of strikers coming in, Stewie, you, you mentioned Johnson Clock Harris already, which has been one of the kind of the big links early in the silly season window. There's a bit of an update from him with him yesterday uh, over at uh, Bristol Rovers. Do you want to bring the KA Army up to speed on on JCH? Um. It's what we call in the biz a, a contract ultimatum. Yes. Um, I don't know if we're quite at that stage yet, but reading between the lines, he's now heading into his final year. They know he's he's a big sellable asset for them. They don't want to risk losing him for nothing next summer. So it's a kind of uh, sign or be sold scenario with him now reading between the lines of uh, manager Ben Garner's comments. He just sort of said, we'll, we'll see how it goes o- over the summer and... Um, but it wasn't, they, they didn't, those quotes didn't sort of scream, yes, you know, we're going to do everything to, to keep him and we're confident this is going to happen. It was a bit like, we'll see how it goes sort of thing. So mm. um, uh, Bristol Rovers have signed signed quite a few players. I think five five players they've already brought in this summer. To be fair, they've let quite a few go as well, some senior players. So I think those ins and outs have probably balanced each other out. And um, like everybody, you'll have to seriously consider any good money that gets put on the table in this uh, coronavirus crisis. So there might be an opportunity there if Ipswich really wants him and if he is the top, top target. We don't know that for sure, but we know he is one of 
their targets. Um, mm. We talked about him being a, a striker, also being able to tick one of the, the wide boxes as well if they wanted to play him through there. Um, but I could see, I can see the potential for for this to line up for Ipswich. Hutchie, you're obviously working the phones. You, you're a big fan of the uh, the transfer season. You got your ear to your ear to the ground, etc. What what are you hearing? Is there any other names we can throw in? Any other kind of things that are happening, striker wise, or any other wise? Um, not not that I can not that I can tell you now. No, no, nothing. What do you, what do you make of um, Clark Harris? Are you you a fan of his? Yeah, we, we talked about him quite a lot last week, didn't we? Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, I I like what I see from him. I've I've never seen him. I don't think I've ever seen him play in the flesh. He didn't play in the the game that Ipswich did play against Bristol Rovers last season. But he's quick. He can run with the ball. He can shoot from range. He's confident. Can play wide on the left. He's left footed. Can play through the middle. Decent physicality. So yeah, he ticks a he ticks a lot of the boxes. Um, I think in the kind of contract ultimatum side of things that the likelihood of him signing a new contract there is relatively relatively slim by the sounds of things he's a he's a decent earner at mm. at Bristol Rovers but but I think he can sense that now might be now might be the opportune moment to to try and get that next level of contract contract elsewhere which um without Paying silly money, we're not talking silly money here. Ipswich could could offer him that that next bump up, as mm. could as could clubs in the Championship, which uh, are also kind of they'll they'll be aware of him as well. Mm. Um, and just like with Caden Jackson, if um, well, if it's it's a question of when when even Tony is uh, is sold by Peterborough, be that to mm. Brentford or, or to Rangers, I think. Clark Harris, just like Caden Jackson, will be will be a player in the frame for them to replace him. So, uh, I think we're going to hear a bit more about about his name uh, throughout the rest of the summer, be that with Ipswich or elsewhere. Okay, um, Stewie's actually writing today a look at potential striker targets for Town, which will be online tomorrow and in print as well. So make sure you you check that out tomorrow. Uh, it's Friday as we sit here Thursday recording this. And just to just to finish off the sexy stuff, slightly less sexy um, in terms of signings. Obviously, we're moving from strikers now to the goalkeepers, which we talked about in depth last week. Um, the two names linked so far, Remy Matthews and David Cornell. We put a poll out over the weekend just asking people, who would you rather town sign? Cornell won it, but the actual winner of the poll was, we don't need a goalkeeper. So... Fans seem to be quite happy going into the season with either Harry Wright or Adam Pshibek as backup. Boys, how do you feel about that? Yeah, can I address this one? Because, we, you know, I did the piece about sort of some goalkeepers that could fit the bill for Ipswich. These are, mm. to be clear, the we do this every summer. It's largely a bit of fun, a bit of a conversation starter. Here are a few names that, that might fit within the budget and are areas of the squad that Ipswich could mm. slash should be uh, improving. It's n- nothing, no more, no less, that, that is it. Um, the goalkeeper one we did that day because it coincided with us doing a little update on, um, Andy had done an update story on sort of Cornell being a player that they're very much interested in. So quite often we go, right, that's the back page. What will what will sit nicely with that as a feature inside the newspaper? Okay, we'll do the goalkeepers one today. 
people then suddenly took that as Ipswich must therefore be making a goalkeeper their top priority at this moment in time because they've just read a piece about goalkeepers. Goalkeeper is not Ipswich Town's top priority position this summer. Of course it's not. Um, they've got Thomas Holy. Uh, they've got the two young lads as backup. Andy's spoken to, to Jimmy Walker, the goalkeeper coach, who has said, you know, heaped praise on the two young lads, said that they'll, you know, that he's confident they'll be ready if, if needed. Mm. But when I see a lot of people going, you know, go with the young lads, what's the problem? I do wonder how many of them have actually seen either of these two young lads play. Because I've not seen a lot of either of them. I've seen Harry Wright a handful of times for the for the twenty threes, and I've seen Shebek play in the in the in the trophy where he was part of the penalty shootout win against Peterborough. Um, is it because Harry Wright is the son of David and Shebek saved some penalties in a shootout that that people are sort of basing? You know, I saw phrases that being thrown around like they're perfectly capable, they they'd be fine. They may well be fine, but. I don't know that, and I don't. I'm not sure many Ipswich Town fans could say that with with utter confidence. Um, what I do know is, if Thomas Holy were to get injured, and one of them came in for a sustained period and wasn't quite up to the grade yet, yeah. points, you know, there would be all sorts of um, shouting and, and wailing about, you know, typical skinflint Ipswich didn't didn't prepare properly here by getting in a a senior backup man. So it probably is prudent for them to get in somebody else, whether that is to compete properly with, with Holy and vie for the number one shirt or, or literally be an experienced backup man for emergencies and, and allow one of one or two of the young lads to go out and get a bit of experience on loan. Um, I'm, all, I'm all for not blocking your own player's pathway. But I think with goalkeepers, they, they do tend to improve later in their career. And these two young lads are both 20. Neither have had any significant experience in, in men's football yet. Mm. That, to me, would seem like the sensible move for, for both of them. Mm. They, neither of them have a league, a league minute, um, a single minute of league football, do they? It, neither of them. Harry, Harry Wright's played a few games for, who did he play for? Chelmsford. And I think he played for Thorock, maybe. Someone... But and and Shebek's played that one, that one trophy game. So I I think it's maybe a little, a little naive to think that that they are instantly going to be be good enough to be the backup. Particularly as you say, should Thomas Holy pick up an injury that means he can't start the season? He did have a bit of a shoulder niggle throughout the second half of last season, which kind of later learnt that may have impacted on on some of the 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 rotation system um, in there. So it's not impossible. Um, so, yeah, I would I would be in the school of thought. While it's certainly not a priority, you need, you need a professional goalkeeper in there because actually the best thing for both of those young lads, rather than backing up Thomas Toley, the best thing for both of them, particularly Harry Wright, is to go and play somewhere else. Mm, mm. Harry, Harry Wright's been out injured for the whole of last season as well, just to throw that into the mix as well. Okay, good stuff. And um, before we we, we uh, depart the sexy stuff train, um, a light at the station of more mundane matters. Um, the and finally of the sexy stuff this week, Lee Martin, formerly of this parish, one point five million pound signing from Old Trafford by Roy Keane. I was interested yesterday to see he's dropped down two levels 
from Exeter City, where he obviously uh, got them to the League Two playoff final, scored against Town. And he signed for Ebbsfleet United of the National League South, which I just thought was worth mentioning because that, that, that caught my interest. Um, so, yeah, how, the, uh, how, how things can change in a football career. Anyway, boys, let's move on to uh, some news that broke towards the end of last week. We'd expected it. We'd, we obviously talked about it quite a lot. But that we know now when the season is going to start. September the 12th, uh, behind closed doors, Ipswich Town will be back in action for the first time since March the 7th. Um, in terms of competitive games, so we just I just want to reflect on that. First of all, a uh, it's good to have a date to build towards because obviously we've been kind of um, flapping in the wind, shall we say, since March, not knowing what's going to happen. Um, and B, in terms of the obviously town are now back in training, uh, and the obvious question is uh, what about friendlies and things like that. So, Stewie, can you just can you just bring us up to speed on that? First of all, good to have a date for the season and um, latest on friendlies, anything like that. Um, I'm told that they're not short of clubs coming forward and offering to, to play friendlies. Um, but when, when they will be at the stage where they can do that, I think is a little bit unsure at the moment. Um, they've opted to go back at phase one of the COVID-19 training protocols at the moment, which is basically the socially distanced small groups groups of sort of seven or eight players, no contact in training, turn up in your kit, uh, go straight home, don't use the gym, don't use the showers, don't use the canteen, etc. Um, mm. The reason they're doing that is to save money on the, <coughs> excuse me, on the COVID testing. That's £125 a pop. Um, and if you're wanting to do contact training, etc., you've got to get your players tested, I think, at least twice a week. So you can see there, you start to uh, multiply that by 40, 50 players staff that becomes uh, becomes quite expensive so um it's uh, it's a longer pre-season than normal so i guess at the moment they're just uh, easing their way back in after the players have become probably badly con- deconditioned over uh, a period of time they'll have been doing lots of fitness stuff that's been assigned to them uh, during during lockdown but it's not quite the same as um you know usually they'll just get you the off-season doesn't seem to last very long normally, does it? You're only off for sort of three, four weeks and you're back at it and they've been off since since March. So I'm sure they'll they'll step things up to, to phase two uh, soon and one, once they do that, they'll uh, they'll play some friendly games behind closed doors at uh, at training grounds, be that Playford Road or, or elsewhere. Mm. And with this being a summer, unlike any other, obviously normally there's a structure to a summer. We know... <clears throat> when the season finishes, we know when the fixtures come out the third week of June normally. Um, but at the moment, we don't even know when the fixtures are going to be released for next season, do we, Hutchie? Uh, no, other than a kind of a blanket blanket date of the middle of August. I think the Championship playoff final needs to be played first before, yeah. before um, obviously, these things are done as a whole throughout the EFL. It's not mm. just simply doing the League One fixtures. It's, it's the Championship League One and League Two. So we don't know. The last, the last team that that's to exit the championship as of yet, which does have a little bit of a knock-on effect for the rest of them. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think I, I'm not sure exactly when that's played. The second semi-finals tonight, so I imagine it's probably next Monday. Is it maybe the I final? Think it, I think it's next Monday, isn't it? Off yeah, top of my head. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I just think the, the middle of August, and I think it could well. 
we normally have this great anticipation that they're going to be released at 9am on June the 20th or whatever. They yeah. could just turn up at, at 5 to 2 on a, <laughs> on a on a Thursday afternoon. All right, lads, here's the, uh, here's the fixtures. Off you go. Yeah, if you, if you care. Um, boys, it must be, though, I mean, obviously your, your job is to, to cover football and there's not been any football to cover in terms of watching games since March. It must be nice for you to actually have a date. I mean, are you looking forward to getting back inside a football ground? Obviously, there won't be any fans there, but I'd imagine you'll be there. Is that something you're looking forward to, getting back and watching some footy? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be um, a strange and surreal experience for those, certainly for those first few games in, in completely empty stadiums, like everyone else have been watching it on, on TV. I'm, um, I'm not a fan of the crowd noise, actually. I've been preferring to watch it um, in its natural state because I just think if the players can't hear it, it's it's, it's not real. Um but yeah, to actually experience that in the flesh is, is going to be strange. It will feel like, in a, in a small way, we're kind of a little bit part of something historic, which might sound slightly morbid given the circumstances that have led to all of this. But going to an empty ground and, and wearing a mask and going through all the protocols will, will be very strange. Um, mm. Something that I'm sure we'll remember for a long time. But I ho- hopefully that, that won't be for too long. And come October, they can start sort of welcoming some fans back in because... The, the, it's been nice to have some football back, but it's not really scratched the itch for me because it hasn't it hasn't felt real. Yeah. Without the fans, it hasn't felt it's felt kind of fairly meaningless to, to me. It's just not the same. It's just not the same. I I don't know actually if you I don't know if you watched any of the American sport that's back on. I was watching some baseball last night in a, in a completely empty stadium, and it's just it just doesn't feel it, it's just weird. Oh yeah, sport without fans is is nothing really, is it? Yeah, well the the only the only games that I've kind of really managed to have any solid interest in have been the playoff games because they've yeah. had they they felt that little bit more real because so much is on them. But kind of run of the mill league games, they've just felt they've just felt empty. Yeah, um, I have felt quite differently about the the playoff games at League Two. League One and, and now Championship level. Like watching Brentford last night, I was really quite into it because because mm. there was just so much on the line. It, obviously, the fact that kind of Griffin Park has has gone out with the biggest game in the club's history in front yeah. of nobody in the last ever match played there it was quite sad um, to see to see that because that should have been like the most joyous day. Yeah in Brentford history until next week, hope, hopefully. Um, but those games have had the intensity. Anything else hasn't. Um, mm. But the I've, I, I, I don't watch baseball at the best of times. Um, mm. But I, kind of what they've done with the, the NBA basketball, which starts in the next day or so, is ever so slightly different in that they've kind of constructed, rather than playing in empty stadiums, they've kind of constructed their own kind of arena with a lot of screens and a lot of kind of, they've done a very good job of kind of getting some fan interaction involved in it. So yeah. that, that starts in the next day or so from Disney in Orlando. I'm quite looking forward to watching that. Absolutely. Um, and just before we go on to mailbag, just one more thing on the, on the news roundup to mention Tristan Nydam, formerly the next big thing. Now the, the forgotten man almost um, got some quotes from him saying that he's looking to get back, hopefully 
by October and in, in some ways, obviously lockdown has helped him because uh, it's given him some more time to recover from that that nasty ankle injury. How, Stewie, how much of a role can, can Tristan Nydam still play for town? Obviously, we've talked before about him potentially playing left back. I mean, where, where do you see him fitting in, when he, obviously, when he's fully fit? I think um, left back's his best chance. Um, he, he'll probably tell you that his best position is central midfield. From what I've seen of him, that's his that's his best position. But as we've discussed loads of times, there's probably far too much traffic in in his way there. But um, I know there was a discussion on on Twitter the other day where people were talking about the, the West Ham preseason game, which was two years mm. ago, virtually to the day where. Him, Downs, and Dezel all, all played really well that that day against uh, a fairly strong West Ham team at Portman Road on on the eve of the season. Um, and I think Andy pointed out that none of them have, have played a single minute together since because of um, injuries or, in Dezel's case, often non-selection. So it would be nice to kind of see some of those lads that have grown up together in the academy from the ages of eight, nine years of age, all the way through, that know each other's games inside out, that know each other as personalities, to see some of them all get game time together. that, that That's quite, quite an exciting prospect. Um, mm. Throw Lancaster in, into the mix as well. But um, left-back's got to be his, his best chance, really. And and I think he's I think he's more than capable of playing left-back. I've seen him play there. I've seen him play left midfield as well. Um He's scrappy. He's for for his size, he he really gets stuck in, and I think uh, you know he certainly doesn't neglect the defensive part of his game. You know, technically he's very good on the ball, um, but I, I I could see him doing a job there at left back, and um, yeah, I know we've had this conversation. Would you be comfortable going into a season with Kenlock and Nidam as your only two left back starters? Again, I think that's probably a bit of a stretch, but. Um, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a disaster? Okay, shall we hit the mailbag button, boys? Hotchy, can you can you um, clear the pipes and, and give us a, your dulcet tones? Uh, yes. Mailbag, mailbag. It's time for Mark and his two to dip into the mailbag. <laughs> no snoring dog this week right first question Andrew is Pennington a realistic choice for centre-back said I thought he was a decent player even in such a shite season obviously centre-back we know is one of the areas that town would like to probably bring someone in Matt Pennington Hutchie I liked Matt Pennington um, poor I think you'd have to ever He's. All, I think he's got one more year left at Everton, much in the same mould as Garbutt. He might even have more than that. But I don't know. I think he would be up for it. I think it would be a move he would potentially consider. Um, whether whether that's the kind of defender they're after. He's more of a... If you've got Wolfenden and Chambers as a pair, he's more Wolfenden for me. And would you necessarily want him coming in as... Two Wolfendens, or 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 I'd be surprised if he would play ahead of Wolfenden. So, I think if they're going for another centre back, it might possibly be somebody a bit a bit more a bit more gruff, a bit more dominant potentially. What did you say, Meaty and Gnarly, as you said last week? Yeah, Meaty and Gnarly. Um, 
Stephen Fuchs, uh, it's a statement really, he just says, I want Town to bring in a big mobile striker who actually scores goals and a centre-back who's captain material. Although everyone is probably looking for these sort of players. Thank you, Stephen. Mike King wants to know, Stewie, if Luke Chambers is, as you suggested last week, coming to the end of his playing career at Town, should he be replaced as captain now? And if so, who would be your choice? Yeah, I don't think I was going out on a limb by suggesting that Luke Chambers is coming to the end no. of his career. <laughs> He's 30, 35 in September. Um, yeah, ancient. Whatever you think of him, it ends at some point. As uh, Paul Lambert keeps saying, um, you can't beat time. And he was very keen to stress that last season, wasn't he? Both with, with Scoos and Chambers. So mm. um, they will need a successor to the uh, to the armband at some stage. And it's prudent to begin a bit of forward planning at some point. Um, There's an obvious or... replacement, isn't there, now? Are you talking about Flynn Downs? Yeah. 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 Um... Yeah, I thought he matured massively last season, Flynn Downs. I, I don't know if I don't know if that's something that I'd be chucking on him now. I, I don't know if that would be an added distraction for him. He's still kind of learning to temper the um, the aggressive part of his game. He, he did fantastically to kind of. I, I love to see his transformation from young guy who headbutts someone in a pre-season friendly and gets sent off to quite often being the. Um, the peacemaker when it all kicked off at times last season. And um, that was great to see him mature like that. But uh, yeah, captain material, but I'm not I'm not sure I'd be going straight down that route now. With, with the stakes being so high and the need mm. to get out of League One, um, I, I'd be going for someone who's a bit more of a, a tried and trusted captain's material at the moment. But if that, if that person arrives this summer, then... That's a big old call, isn't it? To is one thing starting to phase Luke Chambers out and maybe dipping him in and out of games, and but it's another thing to suddenly strip him of the armband, um, as as they say. That that would be a hell of a statement, wouldn't it? Don't don't some clubs have a, a team captain, i.e., a playing captain and a club captain, someone who doesn't really play but is is the kind of you know the kind of uh, the conscience, if you like, of the club. That would seem to be. A logical thing for for Luke, wouldn't it? If he's not going to be playing as much, to still be the club captain, if he's still going to be around and have that influence, anyway. Um, Nigel G, friend of the show, NHS hero. Thanks for your service. He says the year's two thousand forty-two. Hopefully, I've long since retired, Nigel. Town have since lifted the Champions League trophy after winning the Premier League for the past three years under club owner and triple lottery winner and Jaffa Cake Company owner Ross. <laughs> what would what would be your first EADT headline? Sorry, what would be your EADT headline and what's your first interview question for Ross? If Ross was to win the lottery, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that he would end up like that Mikey Carroll guy. <laughs> lottery lout, yeah. What, yeah, a bit... Some race track in his garden or something. Yeah, a yeah. bit less, without, without the violence, but just a nonsense yeah. of a man. Yeah, it, it would be gone within a year, wouldn't he? It, yeah, he'd invest it in some some crazy scheme, and uh, and like you say, he'd be, he'd be back. He'd be back with us within a year. Um, but let, let's just let's just for example say that he he's guided town to the Champions League. <laughs> Good lord, it's it's half eleven on a Thursday morning. We've not been drinking. Um, what would be your EADT headline? The obvious one is clearly surely town halls, isn't it? We've got we've got town hall. We've got the concept there. Um, we've got to use it someday. Uh, your first interview question for Ross. Uh, I'd probably ask him something about um, pronunciations, yeah. uh, just to see, to see what we could get. 
Um, F- FPL Tractor says, I agree with the doctor in the last pod that Dazelle, Downs and Bishop look like the best uh, town midfield balance. But who, Hodge Hogan, would provide Flynn's physicality and energy if he left? Could Emir Hughes do it or would it be uh, require a rethink slash transfer? I'm not sure the Emir Hughes that I saw play last season could could quite play could quite play that role. Um, but he showed flashes of being able to do that. I'd, I'd, if Flynn was to leave, I still I don't think they would necessarily go out and try and replace him. So maybe maybe Emir Hughes would have to would have to try and and play that role. Could Nidham do it? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. I think if you're look, I think. Take Downs out of that midfield three. You've got Dazelle is, is the is the playmaker. Um, Bishop is the the creative spark, the dribbler. You then need to kind of complement that someone with a bit of spite, which Downs has obviously got, and I think Nidam's got a bit of that that spite about him and a bit of edge, and could break things up and and technically would kind of fit in as well with the style of play. So, yeah, uh, Hughes. We've seen pre-injury what he was all about. I thought he could be that box-to-box energy. He could he's got a range of passing, but he could also arrive late and score goals. But there has to be that major question mark, sadly, hanging over him whether he's going to get get back to those sort of levels. And he's now in the fourth and final year of that that long contract that they've given him. You've almost got to make a decision now. We invest in him and try and get him back to where he is, or very early on, you've kind of got to decide, actually, we're moving on, sadly. Emir, you've, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it elsewhere, and we're going to go with the, the young lads that we've mentioned. Mm. Um, it, yeah, it kind of feels that way. Christian Davis wants to know, if you each could give Lambert one bit of advice heading into the new season, what would it be? And it says he says, no duplication of advice. So let's take it in turns. Uh, Hutchie, what would be your advice for Lambert? Stick a stick to a system and own it. I think he's been given that advice before, hasn't he, from Bayer yeah. Leverkusen. So yeah. um, listen to whatever the guy's name from Bayer Leverkusen was. Um, stick stick to your guns. Go stick for something. Uh, Stewie? That would be the obvious answer. Um, stop buying pints. <laughs> um He's done the. I feel like we've done the whole positive PR stuff. Was early on that. Let that go now. You know, yeah. We've we've gone through that cycle. That bought you a lot of goodwill early on. Um, it hasn't been backed up. It's just it's got it's got to happen now on on the pitch. And I hope he doesn't kind of go down the route of, you know, well this this place could be bouncing and get everyone in and come along and bring your flares and jump around. We don't need to. I know what he's trying to do, and I hope the rhetoric isn't along all of that. You know, you've missed your football. Come along with the positive mindset. People don't want to hear that. Just just get it right on the pitch now. Get your recruitment right. Stick to a system. Mm. And, um, you know, hopefully with the benefit of a second summer transfer window, he can start getting a few of his own jigsaw pieces into place and and it can it can it can happen. Mm. I think mine would be learn from your mistakes, Paul. Uh, obviously, there were mistakes made last season. He's, he's admitted that, uh, and he's got to learn from them. We saw with Mick, obviously, towards the end of his reign, that uh, some of the things that he was doing, he wasn't. He was kind of being bullheaded about, and uh, 
uh, didn't really learn so much. Um, we all make mistakes. It's part of life. Um, and you have to accept them and, and learn from them. So that would be my advice to Lambert. Were I in such a situation that you'd actually listen to said advice? I don't know. But anyway, George Lee wants to know, another on Lambert, as people who've met Paul Lambert, how do you rate him as a person? Is he all right to be around? Or are you walking on eggshells all the time? If not him, which manager slash player, past or present, did you get on best with on a personal level as well as professional? So you both met Lambeau. Um, what's, what's he like? Siri, do you still have uh, little little wrestling matches? Obviously not for a while, but... Um... Um, it's hard because we don't get any real opportunity to develop any kind of personal relationship with, with managers or player players now. Mm. And, you know, you speak to our esteemed predecessors, people like Dave Allard and... Elvin King and Tony Garnett and Mel Henderson and you know they paint such a different picture of of how it was to be a a reporter of a, of a club like Ipswich Town, um, travelling on the team bus, ringing up players' houses to to speak to them when you want. We we don't have that now. There's too many middlemen, too many press officers, uh, too many inflated egos. The the money in the game has has changed massively. So. We don't get to have that, but I can't, you know, from my limited, our limited sort of dealings with, with Paul outside of press conferences, I found him to be quite good company. And I just sometimes when I, going back to that thing, the advice to Paul, I said about mm. stop buying pints, I'd just say, be, be yourself a bit mm. more. You know, I, I felt like at times he was trying to overthink everything. I think the whole rotation thing was all about, you know, advice that he gets given from people he knows at Dortmund and people he knows at Man City and the, the whole the way he was trying to deal with the, the press conferences and stuff I'm not sure that that was that's him I'm not sure that that's authentic and I think if you if you don't be yourself eventually you you can't keep that up and you get you get found out and and the times that I've the limited interactions we've had with him when we've been on pre-season or moments outside the just at the training ground when we've bumped into each other you think you're you know he's a good laugh he tells some really good fun stories about his playing days and stuff like that and you you can see why in the past he's had buy-in from his players um, mm. and I'm not sure he's got that at the moment and I don't know if that's because he's trying to be something he's not just just be yourself and um, hopefully you not only get the buy-in from fans but you get you get it from your players as well which is the most important thing there you go, George. That's the first part of your question. Hutchie, you can take the second part. Which manager or player, past or present, have you got on best with on a personal level as well as professional? Um, there's not, I've not really got anybody to offer up from Ipswich for that, uh, if you, I'm completely course, you, honest. You, of course, covered the reign of uh, Pablo Di Canio at Swindon, uh, and you've told me before you, that you went for dinner at his house. Yeah, Um I wouldn't necessarily say that we we got on particularly <laughs> particularly well, yeah. um, but uh, play there were a couple of couple of players from from Swindon that that I'm relatively friendly with these days. Actually, both with Ipswich links. Sam Parkin is one, yeah. um, and Tommy Miller is another one. Yeah, um, who I got on very well with when when he was a Swindon player um yeah what's what's that interest what's Pablo serving up for dinner Paolo 
Sorry, Pablo Paolo. Paolo, yeah. <laughs> uh, sweet. He made some sweet and sour uh, dish. It was very tasty. Lovely. And Siri, obviously, in terms of your, your best football friends, Big Joe Royal holds a special place in your heart, doesn't he? Yeah, I, you kind of overplay this one. If I ever mention to you that I've, I've exchanged text messages <laughs> with someone or had a single phone call, you, you instantly decide they're my, my football friend. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, uh, sometimes I speak to Joe Royal. <laughs> did I did in the background then? Did I hear a child screaming? Is there is there something an issue that needs to be addressed uh, somewhere? No, no, no. She's with a she's with a responsible adult. It's ah, fine. excellent, superb, no dangers. Uh, right then, Harvey Davis, Harvey Davis, friend of the show. He says, with Town targeting a striker this window, and the discussion last week of bringing someone in who can play one of the wide roles. Is it more important to have a forward player who's flexible in a 4-3-3 or focus on signing a target man who can hold it up? Good question. I, I, I think I'd go down the, the flexible route out of those two options. I think if you go for an out-and-out -out target man, there's a temptation there to dump your principles at the first sign of the going getting tough. Mm. And pump it up to the big man type vibes. And, I, and I, again, I think Lambert has been very quick to kind of, you know, they were building some, a big part of the positivity around the perverse positivity around sort of relegation was that at least you could see there was something that they were kind of building on that sort of February time, the West Brom game, there was a string of draws in there, but they were playing some, some really nice football and I felt like that kind of got, abandoned a bit too too quickly and they, they went down a more pragmatic direct route so if a target man a full-on target man came in that's the temptations there you can get someone that can do a physical job but I, I would be going for that sort of left winger slash striker option someone who can, can tick both both those boxes okay. like a like a clark harris like um Sam Winnell, that might be um, that might be pie in the sky. He might be well well out of budget, but he's he's obviously done it in League One before. He's a he's a free agent now. Um, I'm sure there'll be champ championship interest there, but um, someone of of that ilk that can like um, that can do both. Um, okay. Luke, Luke Penning, on, on a similar term, says, what realistic transfer targets would you suggest if we don't go for, for Johnson Clark Harris, not Charlie White? Luke's not a fan of Charlie White. As we say, Luke, um, Stewie's done a bit, which will be online tomorrow. You can have a read on that. Super Hands, Hutchie, who has the avatar of Johan Cruyff and their score scores a million points. Um, can you really see Marcus Evans spending nearly a million pounds on a striker post-COVID-19? Uh, personally, I'd be surprised to see that kind of ambition from him unless we sell players, of course. I'm really struggling with the idea of super hands and Johan Cruyff there. And I, all I can picture is super hands from Peep Show. One of the greatest passes of all time. Just yeah. asking about Ipswich Town strikers. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think you're probably right. I think I think that kind of transaction might might need a departure. Mm. Um, but if there's one position where they'll spend that money, it's on it's on a striker because it, it's their number one priority and. Um, it seemingly is affecting recruitment in other areas as well in terms of mm. potentially getting a goalkeeper done or anything else. Um, so, 
You know what? I probably could. I probably could see them spending that money, that kind of money, on one striker. Um, but selling a player would help. Okay. Put- I don't think the fees are going to be anywhere near as as big as people expect this summer. I think if you, the one player that you knew was going to go for decent money from League One was even Tony, and there's reports that even that's going to start as low as sort of four million with with plenty of add-ons on top. So. That was a player that was being talked about as being in the sort of 10 million bracket pre pre COVID. So, um, I think the I, I've spoken to to um, some scouts, some agents, directors of football, and figures like 50% have been thrown around in terms of what they think the sort of market will be down in terms of fees that you would usually get for players. So. Um, I don't think you'll you'll be getting towards a million pounds. I think you can get you'll be getting a hell of a lot of player for a million pounds if you've got anywhere near that in in this current market. Okay, uh, we've still got quite a lot of questions left. I'm going to have to insist on strict uh, question protocol discipline now. One each, one answer each. Um, if we're going to get this done before I've got to go, Paul M. With Griffin Park being no more, this for you, Hutchie. It got me thinking of stadiums. I truly believe expanding the North Stand was an awful decision. Opinions. Um, they've never needed the capacity, but I can see why they did it at the time. Excellent. Stewie, Timothy Hands, Peter Crouch describes players mostly defenders as gazelles and buffaloes. How would you describe our players or who is a different creature and who's a hybrid? Have we got the right balance between the two? <laughs> um, Ch- Chambers is a, is a buffalo. <coughs> Wolfenden is a gazelle. Yeah. Um, He's, he's a man that when I interviewed him, I, I talked about sort of maybe my heading needs to improve. But he said, I, I don't really get why centre-backs need to go and head the back of a striker's head and bust their nose open. You're not really achieving anything. You know, he, yeah. he is very much the uh, cool customer who sweeps up from the back. So you've, you've got the balance between them two. Wilson, Buffalo, Enciala, hot-headed Buffalo. Um, <laughs> yeah, but maybe... Too many buffaloes. Maybe maybe they need like a hybrid of, of the two, you know. Um, I've watched someone like uh, uh, Charlie Good at Northampton, who looks like he's kind of a, a hybrid of the two, a leader, a strong tackler, but can also kind of bring it out from the back, um, almost in the sort of Adam Adam Webster role. Uh, maybe I'd go for a hybrid type, that's being greedy. A hybrid between a buffalo and a gazelle. What a creature! He's off, he's off to the championship though, good, isn't he? Yeah. That that's where your hybrid that's where your hybrids go. Exactly. Harrison Smith, um, Hutchie, this one for you. Uh, last season, our squad became too big, which is why rotation became necessary. So, are we likely to see players leaving the club in the summer for a fee? I don't feel like we've got any real saleable assets outside of Downs, and do we trust Lambo to reinvest efficiently? So, outside of Downs, obviously, he's the the big one, and potentially Wolfenden. Can you see anyone else leaving for a fee this summer, Hutchie? We've talked about Jackson, haven't we? But in, in terms, I think every player that would leave the club for a fee, you would be thinking, actually, we'd quite like to have kept them. So the kind of players in terms of trimming the fat and slimming down the squad, I'm not really sure there's, there's fees to be had for not of any note anyway. Okay. King Arthur Pickthorn, Stewie, what do you see Sears' role being this season? Assuming we get a striker, he may struggle, struggle to get picked up top. And there's more competition out wide now with uh, with 
Jack Lancaster back being fit. Uh, wide wide left on a front three, Lancaster on the uh, on the other side, um, with Edwards providing the competition as it stands, plus a another winger required. Okay, Hutchie, Kevin Hurst, Kevin uh, says, could Colin Quainer be an option? He's been released by Huddersfield. I can't, I can't see it. I can't see that happening. I, I think, I think he would have offers in Germany rather than rather than coming to League One. Yeah. Um, Stewie Blue Soap wants to know: Can you see football fans not singing when they get back to games in limited numbers? There are so many variables, but how do you see the return of League One happening? Um, and he said he just adds on the transfer front: Town could do with another Colin Collins and a physical slash tall forward, in my humble opinion. So, yeah, that's one of the things that came out this week, that uh, potentially when fans do return, there may be some kind of limitation on singing and chanting because of the greater danger of basically spreading droplets over the people in front of you as a result, um, which sounds lovely, doesn't it? Uh, on the face of it, that sounds ridiculous. I can't. There's no way they're going to be able to police that. Mm. And football fans will always shout and sing. But then I think... The whole dynamic is going to be different if you're sitting three seats along and two rows apart from the nearest person to you. Mm. The, the atmosphere in football stadiums kind of gets generated from a specific spot, or a group of people in a certain end that kind of start stuff. While you haven't got that that sort of dynamic in place, I, I wonder if it's if the atmosphere is going to be the same. You, you know, even if Ipswich can get up to. 30% capacity plus at some point, you're not going to be miles off your usual attendance. But I just think the way that they're going to be seated might change the, the type of atmosphere. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. It can be very interesting to see how that, that all happened. Um, Hotchie, Jason Milton, our old friend Jason Milton, the man who uh, helped get the badge changed. Uh, says, morning, T. Morning team, he says, attack, attack wins game, defence or defences win titles. That's a that's from Sir Alex Ferguson, but is also a very well-known term in American sport. He says, just this is a statement really, surely top of the list of priorities for signings and the season has to be a loud physical presence centre-back and a settled defence starting with a recognised number one goalkeeper. We've talked about that, Jason, already. Um, Alex Herbert wants to know, any word on whether you guys will get your Once in a Blue Moon interview with Marcus Evans this year? If so, would you look to take fans' questions to put directly to him? It's so frustrating having no communication from the man at the top who we pay good money to every season. Now, Mark, Marcus usually puts something together for the first programme of the season. Uh, I'd assume there will be no programme for the first game of the season because there's not going to be any fans. But um, Marcus Evans, would we like to hear from him, do you reckon, boys? I know we're always asking. Nothing on the horizon at, at the moment. Um, if If... And when we were, then I'd be very open to kind of taking people's questions as long as they're not, why don't you fuck off, Mark? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. why don't you sell? Yeah. Reasonably sensible, but, you know, I've spoken to him twice now. Once was off the back of the playoff season, and that was very much uh, just who is Marcus. So that's where we established about his sort of upbringing as a Chelsea fan and why, why did you buy the club? And the second one was obviously more around what was that a year or a couple of years ago and that was about you know would would you sell and what's the plan so i think if we got to to another stage if you know if more than willing to sort of open it up to people for sure that's a good, good idea actually i think um ben diath once just says uh, in terms of who town should bring in he says any player who's got half decent touch and real pace we're so lacking 
this key attribute in modern football. How we haven't addressed it recently is ridiculous. We've only got Jackson and a few youngsters who may be able to step up in the current squad. So lack of pace, Hutchie, is that, is that still a concern for you? Or is it a concern? Not so much pace. I, we, again, we seem to talk about this every, every week at the moment, but dri- players that can dribble with the ball. I, mm. I'm not I'm not that bothered about a lack of pace. There are There are players in there that are deceptively quick, but players that can move the ball with it at their feet are what what I think is missing, particularly in the midfield, which which Bishop would address if he was mm. fit. Penultimate question from Simon Bartlett just says, do you think Jackson's rejecting the new town deal due to the bumper wages given to Norwood last summer and feels he should be given comparable amounts given his contribution to the team, similar to Ramsey and Ozil at Arsenal? Anything in that, Hutchie, you reckon? Well, we, we, yeah, we, we talked about I'm not sure necessarily James Norwood is the is the answer, is the... Du- is the the only reason he's rejecting contracts, but um, yes, James James Norwood owns more than him, and they scored yeah. the same amount of goals. So um, only natural. Yep. Yeah. Final question, Stewie. Uh, it's actually for all of us. It's from our Viking friend Sindre Lyson. He says the four of you are hired on Paul Lambert's staff, but which jobs do you fancy uh, taking? He says I think Stu would be the chief analyst, giving some feedback on oppositions. That would suit you, wouldn't it, Stu? Uh, yeah, I'll take that. What, what about you, Hutchie? What job are you after on, on Lambert's staff? Um, I'll go and mess about with the goalkeepers. Not necessarily, yeah, yeah not necessarily as the lead coach, maybe as the uh, goalkeeping assistant coach. Just go and have some fun with them. Nice. What about Roscoe? Personal photographer for Lambo, you reckon? He's too yeah. busy. He owns the club. Doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure where I'd fit in, um, to be honest. Maybe some kind of uh, strength and conditioning coach or something. On that note, by the way, I, I, uh, I gather that they still haven't done the bleep test at town. That's still not been done. I am told that Flynn is the favourite in the clubhouse and uh, John Nolan perhaps potentially second favourite. So I'm very keen to find out who wins out this season. Um it just appeals to me, and I'm sure other people would find it interesting as well. Boys, that brings us to the end of Mailbag. Um, you've done very well there. We've, we've, we've zoomed through the last few questions. Is there anything <clears throat> else on your mind you want to discuss before we take our leave? No other business. Um, I, th- I normally say no other business, but yeah. um, I'm told Marcus has been in, in the club this week and has been having quite a few sort of chats with uh, with staff and and players as well. So it uh, shows you that, um, you know, it would be easy to think that in the middle of this sort of global pandemic and the amount of businesses that he has that have been affected by this, that the football club might not necessarily be at the uh, the top of his priorities, but it seems like it, it very much is. Um, and he's still very much engaged in it all. Um, so we'll see where that, where that leads to. Hmm. I also just want to highlight before we go, uh, talking about proper sport, the fine sport of boxing uh, this weekend. An Ipswich Town fan and former youth player, Fabio Wardley, could lift the English heavyweight title on Saturday night. He's fighting in Eddie Hearn's back garden, live on Sky Sports. He's fighting for the English heavyweight title, like I say. He's a favourite to win. He's a very, very talented lad. Um, as I say, a big, a big football fan. He's, he's, he spoke to me before about how one day he would love to fight at Portman Road. Obviously, I'd imagine that would have to be some way down the line when he's potentially got a world title over his shoulder or around his waist. Um, but yeah, tune in if you can. Uh, Saturday night, the first matchroom fight camp 
Sky Sports, Fabio Wardley, Simon Valili, English heavyweight title. I'm very excited about it. Um, and you should be too. I know there's a lot of uh, a, lot, a lot of fight fans who listen to this and are Ipswich Town fans as well. So tune into that. I also have to mention, of course, the usual stuff. Give us a five-star review on iTunes, please, because um, it helps us visibility in the charts. And follow us across all our social medias, Kings of Anglia on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We're not on TikTok yet. I, I very much doubt we'll ever be on TikTok, uh, but who knows. So, boys, another another weekend stretches ahead. Have you got any plans? Uh, I'm painting my bedroom. <laughs> Just your bedroom? Have you got your own bedroom, mate? Our, our bedroom. Ah, uh, there we go. What We're colour? Gonna... Uh, there's an array of wife's yet to choose. We've got an array of testers all over the wall at the moment. That's a, that's a key term, is it? The wife is yet to choose. Yes. Yeah. It's it's all it's we we know it makes all decisions in, in pretty much every household. Uh, it's certainly be the same here. Hutchie, how about yourself? You just um, you just signed off on a new bathroom, haven't you? Uh, yes, I have. <laughs> um, yeah, but that, that's uh, sadly not coming this weekend. That's a that's a September job. Exciting times ahead, though. You've got a, a, a flashy bath, haven't you? Speaking about your love of baths earlier, you, you were talking about getting some kind of Japanese style bath, weren't you? A deep tub, yeah. Lovely. That sounds tremendous. And boys, obviously, we're also meeting up. We're going to meet uh, socially distanced. Hopefully tomorrow we're going to go out for a pint and a burger or something at a pub. So if you're in the west of the county tomorrow, look out um, <laughs> for, for us three. We're getting right on the beers. We're not at all because we're, we're still working. But there you go. That'll be nice. Looking forward to that. Everyone else, I hope you have a great weekend. Obviously, the weather is going to be superb. Maybe um, take yourself a nice little midday bath following Hutchie's uh, Hutchie's footsteps this weekend. Get yourself some bubbles. Listen to some some pods and watch watch Fabio Wardley this weekend with an English title. Have a great week, a great weekend. Um, head into the club now, and we'll speak to you again next week with an old friend joining us next week. I'll leave it at that. Have a good one, everyone. Speak to you next time. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.